0: Let's do this thing. All right. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter ten. Uh, so several weeks ago, Pastor Brian uh, began a series on the book of Acts, and today is going to be part seven of that series. He texted me the other day somewhere in Africa and said how much fun he was having and all this stuff, and I said, "Man, you you deserve it. Enjoy your time." So uh, I'll be continuing his series, part seven today. Uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter ten. If you've missed any of the weeks. As many of you know, you can catch up on Facebook, YouTube, our podcast. Don't forget about that. Um, But as Pastor Brian has mentioned previously, the book of Acts kind of picks up from one of the saddest days in history, uh, being the death of Jesus, to the explosion of the church. In Acts, we see uh, it lived out where Jesus said it was going to be better for him to go away and for the Holy Spirit to come. And so Acts records the first 30 years of the church after the resurrection of Jesus. So last week in Acts chapter 9, uh, Pastor Brian covered uh, a pretty uh, famous story in the Bible. We saw the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. We learned that Saul was a a Pharisee. He would have grown up in a very strict Jewish home. And so he was going from place to place persecuting the new followers and disciples of Jesus. And uh, he's on the road to Damascus to hunt down more Christians, and what happens? He encounters Jesus himself, and Pastor Brian talked about how uh, Jesus can transform the hardest of hearts, that no one is beyond his love and his grace. He talked about that being born again is simply a transformation of the heart by the power of Jesus, and so We were also introduced to a man named Ananias who God called to go to Saul and lay hands on Saul and pray for him to be healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Saul's heart is transformed by the grace of Jesus and we see that he is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of where we left off last week and today we're going to jump into Acts chapter 10 starting in verse 1 and it says this, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So a few things to note here. Caesarea was the Roman capital of Palestine. It was the center of the Roman government and military headquarters in Palestine. So Caesarea is a coastal city about 60 miles northeast of Jerusalem and about 30 miles north of Joppa. And it was a Gentile city. We also see Cornelius mentioned in this verse, Cornelius was a soldier, he was a military officer, he was a centurion in the Roman army, so that means that he was in charge of about a hundred soldiers from Italy, and he too was a Gentile. So let's jump to verse 2. It says, he being Cornelius, Cornelius and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. So I want to stop there because it's important to point out that this was very unusual. Okay, so let's get some context here. You have a Roman soldier... Okay, who's living in the center of the Roman headquarters of Palestine, surrounded by false gods, surrounded by wickedness, and it says that he and his family were devout and God-fearing. It says that he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly, and he even had a vision from God. So I just want to note here, that in the middle of a world and culture that seems to be full of sin, seems to be full of wickedness, it is still possible to serve God. Cornelius had all the cards stacked against him, all right? He likely wasn't raised in a God-fearing home, He likely had little to no access of Scripture. Uh, He had grown up being taught about all the false Roman gods. He was living in a wicked city full of wicked people, full of wicked leaders, yet he and his family chose to serve the one true God. What a powerful, powerful testimony. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a powerful testimony. He had heard and he had seen enough that he believed in the one true God, the God of Israel, and he devoted his life to him. So he's praying one afternoon. He gets this vision from God. He sees an angel who calls out his name and picking up in verse 4, Cornelius stared at him in fear. I don't know about you. It's probably how I would respond as well. All right, He said, "'What is it, Lord?' he asked. "'The angel answered, "'Your prayers and gifts to the poor "'have come up as a memorial offering before God. "'Now send men to Joppa "'to bring back a man named Simon "'who is called Peter. "'He is staying with Simon the Tanner "'whose house is by the sea.' When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So can I just remind you of something today? Can I remind you that prayer changes things? That's a simple thing, but can I just remind you that prayer changes things? So here we have a Roman Gentile now he didn't grow up going to synagogue on, you know, on the Sabbath. He didn't have all the answers to God and faith, but he's devoted to prayer. In fact, because we see Cornelius have this experience about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, scholars believe that somehow Cornelius had picked up on the Jewish prayer schedule and he was devoted and devout in his prayer life. He was dedicated to prayer, to regular prayer. So he's seeking after God, and his prayers come up before God as a memorial offering and a sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I can't help but be challenged by this man's prayer life. This was a man who didn't grow up in the Jewish faith. He had no religious custom. He had no religious upbringing that would have required him to pray regularly. He's a hard-nosed Roman soldier seeking the face of God all on his own. And little does he know that his prayers are about to open the door to changing the world forever. You might even say that you and I are sitting here today worshiping Jesus because of the prayers of Cornelius. He had no idea when he was praying that what was about to happen, right? But he was devoted. He was dedicated. And I just want to say this to you today. You may not have all the answers. You may not even see the light at the end of the tunnel. I want to tell you to pray. Pray because prayer has the power to move mountains. Prayer has the power to change lives. Prayer has the power to change your life and your life circumstances. Prayer has the power to change your perspective and your position. So pray. Pray. Cornelius was dedicated to prayer. But have you ever just had to dwell in prayer? Have you ever had to just keep knocking? Keep seeking, keep being devoted to prayer, even when you weren't getting the answers you wanted, right? There, it, there's a difference in throwing up that 30-second, dear Lord Jesus, help me, right? There's a difference in that and being regularly devoted and dedicated to prayer. And I'm so challenged by Cornelius' life in this area. I'm challenged. You know, we've seen, it's no secret that we've seen a lot of amazing things that God has done in our midst lately, Amen? We've seen healing, salvation, the gifts of the Spirit in operation in our services, His presence being poured out in our services. But I want to say this, I believe all of those things are the results of those of you who have committed to pray regularly. I believe that some of the things we are seeing are the results of those of you who show up week in and week out throughout the year on Wednesday night to do what? To pray If that's you, you're here today and you've been dedicated and devoted to prayer on Wednesday, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your dedication to prayer because prayer changes things. And I believe with all my heart that prayer precedes mighty moves of God. When you look at the mighty moves of God across history, what happened before it? Prayer prayer. Prayer changes things. Now, not only was Cornelius committed to prayer, it says that he also gave generously to the poor. So when we're in tune with the heart of God, it changes things, doesn't it? When we're in tune with the heart of God, it changes things. We get in tune with his heart and his will through prayer. But I believe that there's another level of connection that happens when we begin to do the work of God and we begin to take care of those in need. Why? Because the heart of God is the heart of compassion. It's a heart of compassion. So if you want to be in tune with the heart of God, I would say this to you today. Pray. And I would say, take care of those in need. Pray and take care of those in need because that's the heart of God. If we want to align with His will, pray and take care of those in need. So, another interesting thing here is that despite Cornelius' great reverence for the Lord, there was still something missing in his life. When the angel appears to him, he asks this question He says, What is it? What is it, Lord? He was seeking more from the Lord. And if there was something else, if there was something missing, Cornelius wanted to know what it was. So, as soon as he gets those instructions from the angel, as soon as he gets those instructions, he immediately responds and sends servants to go to Peter. So, I want you to hear me today. You can be a good person, you can have great reverence for the Lord. You can fear God. You can pray and you can worship. You can come to church regularly. You can help take care of the needy and give to missions. You can do all of those good things and still feel like something is missing. Another thing I want to say to you today is this. It's that Jesus is the missing piece. Jesus is the missing piece the missing piece. There is only one name that can fill that void in your heart, and that is Jesus. It's not another church service. It's not an increased role on the serve team. It's not more money to missions or to the needy. There's only one name by which we are saved, and that is the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus is the missing piece. He's the missing piece. So if you're here today, you're a good person, you respect and fear the Lord, you pray, you go to church, you serve, you do all of the good things, but you still find something is missing. I want to ask you this today, have you completely and totally surrendered your life to Jesus? Completely and totally, not just part, not just sometimes when it's convenient, not just when there's no other plans on the calendar, completely and totally, have you completely and totally surrendered to him? You know, some of our family who uh, likes to do puzzles, some of them are, are here today, and uh, we got any puzzle people in the house? You like, you like to do a good puzzle? All right, a few, all right? I am not a puzzle person, especially with three three year olds running around, I guess unless it's a Mickey Mouse Clubhouse puzzle or something like that, but not a big puzzle person, but I've heard our family talking about putting these puzzles together that are literally thousands of pieces, right? And they spend sometimes days, sometimes weeks, putting this huge puzzle together, right, and it's amazing, and then they get down to the very end, and what happens? The last piece is missing. Now, like I said, I'm not a puzzle guy, but I I cannot imagine the frustration that must happen when you put in that much work into something, and all get down to the very end, uh uh-oh, we are missing a piece, The final piece is missing, but here's the truth. If that the final piece is missing, you can't just fill it with anything, right? (laughs) You need that piece. You need that specific piece. You need the missing piece. There's only one piece that can fill the void. There's only one piece that can complete the puzzle. The same is true in our lives. You can try to fill the void, the missing piece, with all the good spiritual things, but at the end of the day, there's only one who can fill the void because Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus, is the missing piece. Cornelius, he was a good man. He feared the Lord, but something was still missing and he was ready He was ready to find out. He had been seeking God, and he was ready to find out what it was. So he sends his servants to Joppa to find a man named Peter like the angel had told them. So this is where Peter comes into our story today. So let me give you a quick update on Peter and what's been going on with Peter, all right? So remember, Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He was one of Jesus' closest friends he was known to be kind of a fiery, passionate guy, right? Got, him, got himself in trouble a few times because of it, all right? Um, and so uh, he was the disciple who denied Jesus, but he's reinstated by Jesus and told that he's going to be the rock on which Jesus would build his church. Wow, all right? Then Acts chapter 2, we see all of that begin to come to fruition because Peter and the other disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and they receive this new power and they boldly begin to proclaim the name of Jesus. So the Lord begins to use Peter and he begins to preach uh, and use Peter to perform signs and wonders and and healings and he boldly begins to proclaim the forgiveness and the repentance through Jesus uh, to people all over But up until this point, Peter had mostly been in and around Jerusalem. But in chapter 9, he begins to venture out. And so he goes to Lydda. Then he ends up in Joppa. That's where we find him in chapter 10, staying at the home of Simon the Tanner in Joppa. So let's pick up in verse 9. It says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, "'Get up, Peter. Kill and eat.'" Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. So let's stop there because here lies the great conflict or the great tension of Acts chapter 10. All right, so let me give you some history here. Peter is a devout Jew, all right? He's been raised in a strict Jewish environment. He holds to Jewish laws and customs, and like many other nationalities... All right, Jews looked on other people with suspicion and what you have to remember and understand is that the Jewish people had a long history of being mistreated and being enslaved by other countries and so in many cases it was their religion that was the kind of the binding force that held them together. Remember, they had their own set of laws governing things like the Sabbath, the temple, intermarriage, worship, and cleansing. And they even had rules about the foods that they could and could not eat. And so they viewed themselves as God's chosen people who worshipped the one true living God. Their religious customs kept them from being swallowed up by other groups of people through intermarriage. And it's what made them distinct and set apart as a nation. So, because of all of these things, a devout Jew would not interact with anyone outside of the Jewish religion. We also call that being a Gentile. So, a Gentile is simply someone who is not Jewish, okay? Someone who is not Jewish. So, in many ways, The Jews became almost separatist, okay? They became prejudiced towards other people groups. They built walls up to separate them from the outside world. And listen to this, their prejudice ran so deep that they often called other people groups dogs. They would have no contact with a Gentile unless it was absolutely necessary. And even then, they had these cleansing rituals that they would follow after being in contact with a Gentile. On top of that, they wouldn't even help a Gentile woman who was giving birth because it meant another Gentile was going to be born into the world. I say all that to say this, that the hate... Between the Jews and the Gentiles, it ran deep. There was a bitter hate and prejudice that had been created, but this was not God's plan. This was not God's plan. You see, God's original intent had been for the descendants of Abraham, the Jews, to be his people. But not just to be his people, to be his witnesses, to be his missionaries to the rest of the world. It was their job to take his word to the nations and tell them about God. But it's here that Israel failed. Instead of becoming the missionaries that God had intended them to be, they became hoarders. And they claimed that God's word and his laws was theirs and theirs alone. So in this story, you have Peter, a devout Jew who's well-known as one of the most incredible disciples, incredible apostles of Jesus, who did amazing things for God. But yet Peter was still human. And he would have grown up with these same prejudices towards Gentiles. Even Peter's heart was filled with prejudice And one day, while he's in prayer, he goes into this intense vision, this intense daydream from the Lord. And in this vision, God shows him a group of animals that would have been completely against the laws of the Jews and what they were supposed to eat. God's instruction, remember, to him was, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter immediately responds and he says, no way, I have never eaten anything that's impure or unclean, surely not. Lord, right? He's like, no way. But the voice speaks a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And I can see Peter, you know, or he has this vision three times. The animals disappear back into heaven. And of course, Peter's left wondering, you know, what, what does this mean? And, and I don't know about Peter, but I would have honestly like wondered like, Lord, are you trying to tell me something about what I eat you know I I probably would have been like uh you know does this mean that I can have barbecue now like can I go to Sonny's can I go to Four Rivers like what are you trying to say Lord I mean do we need to get the baby backs out what are we doing here right so he's he's giving him this message and I, I imagine that in the beginning Peter's like is this about some kind of food or like what what are we talking about here And so while he might be thinking all of this about the dietary laws at first, God is about to reveal something much greater because little did Peter know that in that moment he was about to get a visit and God was about to break down the walls of prejudice in his heart and open the door for the message of Jesus to go to the Gentiles and change the world forever. So as Peter is still pondering the meaning of what happened? What does this mean, Lord? Cornelius' servants arrive at the house where Peter is staying, and the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter and tells him to greet the men and to go with them because they have been sent by God. So Peter greets the men They find out that this is the man that they're looking for. They tell him that they have come so that he can return to to Cornelius' house with them and and tell them what he has to say. And so you, you already see the work of the Holy Spirit in Peter's heart here. Now remember, it would have been against everything Peter had ever known to speak to these men and to be kind to them. But in verse 23 Peter goes so far as to even invite these Gentile men into the house to be his guest. So the Holy Spirit is working throughout. And even though he might not have fully understood everything that's happening yet, he was obedient to the Holy Spirit. Can we get that blackout now? You guys know I'm a children's pastor. All right? What I love about the Holy Spirit is that He often doesn't show us the big picture of what's to come. Peter didn't understand fully in this moment everything that was happening. But what did happen is that the Holy Spirit began to speak. And he began to show Peter the next steps. Go greet the men. Welcome them into your house. He's giving them, giving Peter small bites, small instruction. And what is Peter doing? He's following the leading. He's following the voice of the Holy Spirit. Does he know the big picture? Does he know what's about, to ha- what's about to happen? Absolutely, he doesn't. He doesn't know what's about to happen. And what I want to say to you is that sometimes, I would say most of the time, the Holy Spirit doesn't give us the big picture. I feel like if he did <laughs> we'd never get there. Cuz we'd be like god <laughs> that ain't happening in my life, <laughs> you know? But he gives us small chunks and he says if you'll if you'll follow my instruction, if you'll follow my voice, if you'll follow my guidance and just be obedient to me step by step then I'll take you to new places. I'll lead you where I want to go. But you got to follow my voice. you got to follow my instruction. Don't worry about what's down the road. Don't worry about the big picture. Just be obedient. Be obedient in the small things. Be obedient to the instruction that I'm giving you. And if you'll do that, I'll do incredible things with your life. You can turn the, turn the lights back on. But that's what Peter did. I don't know what's going on with this thing. All right, That's what Peter did. He didn't have the big picture that God was about to open the doors of the gospel going to the Gentiles, but he was just obedient with simple instructions. Go to the door, answer the door, invite the people in as your guest, go back with them. He's just following these little instructions and we're gonna see what God did. God did something huge. We just gotta follow his voice step by step. We always want the big picture. Just follow his voice be obedient. He's our guide. He wants to lead us. Let's pick back up in verse 23. So it says, the next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. He was throwing a big old party. As party that's, That part wasn't in the Bible. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people he said to them you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean so when I was sent for I came without raising an objection may I ask why you sent for me so note that even Peter upon his arrival he's quick to mention hey everybody I know you're having this big party, but it's not really normal for me to be here, all right? So everyone in this situation would have known that this was kind of a weird, out-of-place situation for this Jew to be welcomed in with open arms to their house. It, you know, it, was, it, was a, it was an odd, unfamiliar situation. But again, you see that the Holy Spirit has been working on Peter because he says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. God, or the Holy Spirit, was showing Peter that this vision, this daydream he had received was not about food, that it was about people. You know, I've said this before, I think, from this stage, but I love those but God statements, don't you? Some of you will remember this. My dad used to preach a message called but God. It's my favorite message. I could probably preach it myself, all right? It was my favorite message that he ever did But you see, in this situation, Peter, he's gotta be thinking, man, this goes against everything that I've ever been raised to think. This goes against everything I've ever known to be nice to these Gentiles. And then think about this. He's walking in going, entering, you know, I'm entering the house of a Gentile, but not only just just any regular old Gentile. Think about this. This was a Roman soldier. This was the people who were persecuting the Jews at the time and he's about to go into his house, the Holy Spirit's working, says, but God, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. It's about to get a little tense in here, all right? You know, when it comes to prejudice in the South, I've heard people say things like, well, it's just how I was raised. It's all I've ever known. I lived during segregation. Can I just say something to you today? Just because it's how you were raised doesn't make it right. If you make it to heaven one day and you stand before God, what are you going to say? It's how I was raised. You think that's going to justify it in the eyes of God? It's how I was raised? Look at the life of Peter. There's prejudice in his heart. It's all he had ever known. It's how he was raised. But the Holy Spirit was changing Peter's heart, and he wants to change your heart too through the power of the Holy Spirit. It might be all you've ever known, but I would say this to you today, but God, but God. Cornelius begins to explain to Peter his end of the story and all that's happened and how he had this vision and the instructions he was given, so Cornelius kind of sets the stage And he's like, all right, Peter, the stage is yours. We're all here to hear what you have to say. And under the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter begins to speak, and he opens with this in verse 34, I love this. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. For the first time, the good news was about, the good news of Jesus was about to go to the Gentiles. Peter begins to preach the good news to Cornelius and all who were there. He talks about Jesus' baptism and how Jesus would preach and teach and how he healed people and all the incredible things that Jesus did. He tells them how Jesus was crucified and then how he raised from the dead and he says, I was an eyewitness. I I was there. I saw these things with my own eyes he tells them all of these things and now he says now it's been it's it's my duty it's my job to tell everyone what jesus has done and so he tells them about the the true forgiveness that comes through the 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 one name and the one name alone jesus and in picking up in verse 44 it says while peter was still speaking these words the holy spirit came on all who heard the message while he was still speaking, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I would too. Worship team, you can come. So this is the culmination of so many things that are happening in this chapter, right? I text Pastor Brian. I said, hey, expository preaching it's not trying to figure out what to say. It's trying to figure out what not to say because like there is a lot of material, all right? But this is the culmination of so many things that are happening here. For the gospel to go forward and for the church to grow and explode, the gospel had to go to the Gentiles. Listen, it was never the heart of God for his love and forgiveness to be kept, to be hoarded for one group of people. People screwed that up. Before the gospel could go to the nations, there was a wall that had to be torn down and that was the prejudice that existed in the hearts of the Jews and the Gentiles and even in the heart of Peter. But we see the Holy Spirit at work in this chapter. Not only, listen, not only does the Holy Spirit give us the power to proclaim Jesus, that part is really fun, right? But the Holy Spirit He also convicts. The Holy Spirit also reveals and shows us the areas of our lives that need correction. Just like the flashlight, He he leads us and He guides us. It's the Holy Spirit that breaks down the walls of prejudice and hate in our heart. Ladies and gentlemen, it takes A mighty work, a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to break down those walls inside of us. We need supernatural, I said supernatural, we need supernatural help to overcome our selfish desires, our motives, and our ways. It took the Holy Spirit to break down those walls. We see the Holy Spirit at work in so many different ways in the book of Acts. We love the signs and we love the wonders and we love the miracles and we love the power and people getting saved, but let's not forget about what the Holy Spirit does in each and every one of us inside of our hearts. Not only does he give us the power to tell people about Jesus, but he gives us the power to live for Jesus and be more like him. And sometimes that's the part of the Holy Spirit that's a little uncomfortable, right? When he starts working on us on the inside. So at the end of this chapter, not only do we see the Gentiles come to know Jesus, we also see them filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized. And it's really important that they were filled with the Holy Spirit because as we move into chapter 11 next week, we're going to see where Peter has to go explain himself to the other disciples and the other Jews who still had prejudice going on in their hearts. And the thing that left them with no question was when they heard how the Gentiles had been filled with the same Holy Spirit that we saw in Acts chapter two that came to the upper room and filled the disciples and filled the followers of Jesus. The Gentiles had now had that same experience. So when Peter goes in chapter 11 and he begins to tell the other disciples what had happened, he's like, hey look, They had an upper room experience too. I don't don't know what else to tell you. Didn't leave them much room for questions. It was so important they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's one main theme of this chapter today, it's simply this. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. It doesn't matter what color skin you have. It doesn't matter the language you speak. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you have or what, edu- what your educational background is. It doesn't matter. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for you. Jesus is for every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And when the gospel went to the Gentiles, Christianity Became the first religion to disregard racial, cultural, and national barriers. Praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 29, it says this So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Get this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I want to ask this today. If Jesus says, come as you are, then who are we to reject someone who has been made in the very image of God? If Jesus says, come as you are, then who are we to alienate someone who has been chosen by God? A prejudiced heart is not the heart of God. And if we can't love others as Jesus loved because of the color of their skin, because of the nation they come from, even because of the political party they vote for, their economic status, their education status, then ladies and gentlemen, we have missed, I said we have missed the heart of God. We have missed the heart of God. And it's time that we ask the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in our hearts to align our hearts with His just imagine the day and what a shame it would be to see our neighbors to see our coworkers and even strangers never have the opportunity to experience the same love, the same grace, the same forgiveness that we have experienced through Jesus because of prejudice in our hearts. We need the power of the Holy Spirit To change our hearts. The message of Jesus is simple. Jesus is for everyone. Every tribe. Every tongue. And every nation. Maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit is maybe speaking to you about some things that maybe you need to make right. Or some things that maybe you need to change in your own life. Maybe He's Revealing some areas in your heart today that he wants to work on. Let me remind you the Holy Spirit doesn't just fill us with power, but he also convicts our hearts and he changes our hearts to be more like Jesus. So maybe the Holy Spirit wants to work on some things in your heart today. Or maybe you're here today and this is you. Maybe this is you today. Maybe on the outside, it looks like you've got it all together. You go to church, you serve on the serve team once a month, twice a month. You give to the missions projects. You do all the right things. You pray, you worship. On the outside, everyone would think you've got it all together, that things between you and God are, are right, But just like Cornelius in our story today in in Acts chapter 10, you know that there's something missing. You know that there's still a void in your heart and even though you do all the right things, you do all the good things, you know that something's missing. Can I encourage you today that there's only one name that can fill that void and that's the name of of Jesus. That's the name of Jesus. He's the only one. He is the missing piece in your life. And I want to encourage you today that you can get your heart right with him. He wants to come into your heart. He wants to be that missing piece. He wants to fill the void in your life. Let him fill that void that's been missing for so long. Quit playing games. Quit acting like you have it all together because Jesus is the missing piece and he wants your whole heart. I want to challenge you today to give your life to him. So Pastor Brent and the worship team, they're just going to begin to lead us in a song of worship. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit is maybe dealing with some things in your heart or maybe you've had that void in your heart for a long time and today you want to get right with Jesus. Then as the worship team plays, I want to invite you to come. The altars are going to be open. Even if you have a different prayer need, these altars are open. Come get your life right with Jesus. Come align your heart with the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do in your life. So Pastor Brent, would you lead us? These altars are open. I encourage you to come and pray. We want to pray with you today. Jesus, we're so grateful, so grateful that you are the missing piece. God, today we we humbly stand before you and just thank you that Jesus is for everyone. Every tribe every tongue, every nation. God, if there's anything inside of us that would prevent us from taking the good news of Jesus to the nations and around the world, I pray that you would deal with that through the mighty working of the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.